Uh-huh. Yeah, it's the claw. The claw. Yeah. The claw is our master. The claw chooses who will go and who will stay. You guys say that every every five minutes as that thing moves. The place is closed. We can't get out of here. Stop freaking out about that. Yes, okay, I get it. Ahoy, mateys. This is your captain speaking, and uh, even though it's all I do on this podcast, I just wanted to take a moment before we start this week's episode to say a few words to you. October 28th is my birthday, and I'm recording and releasing this episode right beforehand. So regardless on whenever you hear this message, if you can do one thing for me in celebration of the captain's birthday, it would mean the world. And it actually has nothing to do with money or even following any of my various forms of social media. But to celebrate my birthday, what I want you to do is go out on your social media network of choice and find someone who has worked on a piece of animation that you love that just sticks in the back of your head. Could be a TV show, could be a movie, could be a short, could be a YouTube video, a small content creator, but if there is a piece of animation that sits in the back of your head, I want you to reach out to that person, not in a DM-wise, but send a public tweet, make a public Instagram post, and tag them in it and shout out whatever you would like to say, even if it's just to show them a picture or something you own, but that's how you should spend any sort of celebration. This podcast itself is a celebration of animation. My other podcast is a celebration of animation. Everything a part of my life is the love of animation, and so if you love it just like I do, I'm sure on any social network out there you can find a creator, a director, a writer, a storyboard artist, a background painter. You could find someone who had worked on something you adore and you could give them a shout out, a comment, Without even knowing it, you can make their entire day. There are some wonderful pieces of animation to be found all over this planet. But the world of animation right now is not at its best place. And it actually makes me feel a little sad getting older knowing that this world is just tipping over a little bit. So if there's any way that we can help bring even an ounce of positivity to the world of animation, that would be the sweetest birthday gift I could ask for. The claw, it moves. Yeah, it's still up there. Well, I'll be here for a while, guys, but enjoy the show, and thank you for being a part of the Ready Crew. Hey, Squidward. Hey, Squidward. Ahoy, mateys, and welcome aboard to the most porous podcast you'll find along your travels on the tubes of the internet. I'm ready. A SpongePod Squarecast. I'm your captain, Captain Eric, and even though this episode is not about Halloween or anything naturally spooky, the haunting memories of your childhood skill crane nightmares certainly justifies it, on top of this episode being released so close to Halloween itself. 
On top of all of that, this episode is being recorded right before my birthday, and I really wanted to give another shout-out to the theme's composer, Hugh Wagner, who came out of nowhere, as far as I'm concerned, with this extra rendition. I may have fielded early on the idea of wanting extra uh, versions of a theme song as a part of my ultimate goal, but I was not expecting this file when I received it, and it just made me do a mental backflip of joy. And I want to thank Hugh, alongside our end theme composer, T.Y. Mime. Both of them have brought me so much musical joy, and if you would like to bring some musical joy to your life, you can check out the links in the description of this podcast for any of their social media where you can find out where to reach them. Uh, Please, I implore you. And there are other renditions of the theme to come soon. Uh, I just wanted to celebrate here for myself and also just another shout-out to Hugh Wagner. My, My dude, thank you again. The Skill Crane, to the delight of arcade owners across the country, is my second most nostalgic piece of equipment right behind the pinball game. Now, the variety, the lights, the sounds of a pinball machine will always have my first attention when I walk into an arcade. But no matter what other options they may offer at that arcade, the second thing I'm going to be looking for is a claw machine, just to not only see what kind of claw machines they have, because there is such a wide variety of claw machines around the world. There is, of course, the classic four or three clawed arm machine that you'll find mostly throughout North America, but there is also the UFO two-arm design, most famously made in Asia and brought over to certain arcades over here, which bring an entirely new term to the skill crane with skill really emphasized with some of those machines where you're not just picking up your prize, you're more or less doing something else and there can legitimately be a skill to it to learn. But regardless on what kind of claw machine you have, the allure of only spending a quarter to a dollar for a premium prize is an allure that will always be there in my life. An episode like this for SpongeBob SquarePants was guaranteed to happen in the longevity of the show due to the prevalence of claw machines throughout restaurants across this nation. And I have to imagine the world there has to be claw machines in diners, in restaurants, and obviously certain fancy levels of restaurants may not offer a claw machine. But let me tell you, for this captain, if anything, the appearance of a claw machine adds points to my experience, although I'm not just throwing quarters in every single machine I'm, I'm seeing. It all depends on the prize at hand, and for me, it's always been about that. Regardless on claw machine, on amusement park game, carnival game, it's always been more about what was I winning than the challenge to achieve that, and that's where my mind kind of went to, but for claw machines, I always found myself in situations where they were available. Restaurants, as I mentioned, they were everywhere throughout the 90s. Not so much today. You don't really find as many claw machines in many restaurants, but it felt like throughout the 90s, almost every other restaurant had a claw machine in its its front little waiting section. And yeah, if there was a prize in there that I wanted, I didn't mind going to my mom, to my dad. Hey, can I get a dollar? 
Hey, can I get another dollar? Hey, how about that third dollar? Now, my father later on, you know, when I was about seven or eight, was very impressed with the skills I had achieved with the skill crane. And although there is a necessary amount of skill that comes to achieving the prizes that you would like inside the machine, there is a necessary evil behind that machine that you need to know about. And uh, sorry to any of the claw machine owners out there who uh, don't want me sharing this information, but there is a mechanism inside of most claw machines. I don't want to say all. I don't really know the build of every single claw machine out there in the world, but for most commercial claw machines, there is a mechanism inside of that machine that will increase the strength of the claw once a certain profit margin has been met. So once a certain money threshold has been placed inside of the machine, the claw will get stronger. Now, I'm sure most of you who have played a claw machine have experienced a time where you saw a prize inside of that machine that was on top of the pile. It's just sitting there. There's no other weight around it. The claw goes right around that prize. It sits nice and tug. And then when it goes to pull it up, oops, wow, the claws weren't strong enough for that prize and they had the strength of a wet noodle. Well, that is the mechanism not activating yet. You have to place in maybe another quarter, maybe another dollar. You actually aren't sure how close you are to that threshold before the claw starts putting in the strength, which is why I never give up on my first try. That's at least one piece of advice I'll give you. As as far as that, though, goes, it's understandable on the other side of the fence where you do want to make a decent amount of profit for the prizes that you're you're putting in there. Although, I have seen people go into arcades and clear house of certain claw machines. Now, be careful with some YouTubers out there in the claw skill crane content making machine because there are circumstances where they may know the owners of that claw machine that they're using, if not using one in their their own home, and have access to be able to increase the strength of that claw for that claw machine and shut off that mechanism or, or whatnot. So I, I'm not pointing any fingers at anyone personally. But all I'm saying is if you are watching anyone out there showing off their skills of a skill crane and it just feels like that machine is magic compared to any claw machine you have experienced in your own life, that mechanism on the inside of the machine, that is is in action or out of action at that point in time. So that's, uh, that's what's going on behind the scenes there. Now, that's not to say you can't just walk into a place and clear house of all of the prizes you would like. My one big achievement when it comes to the skill crane that I remember and hold on to happened in our local arcade tilt that was housed inside of our mall. Now, my parents divorced when I was young. I was only able to really hang out with my father on the weekends. And during that time, it was open for whatever I wanted to do. And whether I wanted to go to the movies or hang out at the arcade, that all happened at the mall. So my father and I were at the mall a ton during my adolescence. And he was fine with that because he just wanted to hang out with me and, and have fun. And there was this one time in Tilt, I would say around the year 2000, in which I went in 
and in one claw machine and tilt, they had all of the monster characters from the anime Monster Rancher, which was based off of the Monster Rancher game series, which started in 1997. Often compared to Pokemon, it really played in a different way, and the anime certainly was different enough for me to have enjoyed it. And here I was, right in front of a claw machine, where all five of the monster characters of the anime, Mochi, Gollum, Tiger, Hare, and my favorite character of the entire series of Monster Rancher, Swayzo, all five of them were in one claw machine. Now, depending on the night and what we were doing on that said weekend, my father certainly could splurge a little bit more than usual, so I don't necessarily have a dollar amount on how much I spent to achieve all five of those stuffed animals from Monster Rancher, but uh, I walked away with all five of those stuffed animals, and it was a massive achievement of mine, and really the only time I can think of coming across a claw machine, exclusive characters I haven't seen anywhere else, and getting all of them, and luckily it's not one of those situations where you see a character you really want just buried in that pile, and you just have to hold on to hope that one of these times you come back, it's uh, it's exposed enough for you to at least have a crack at it. But no, on that night, I walked away victorious, and I really don't know if my father spent a ton. It could have been like 20 bucks for all five of them. I'm really not sure, because certainly he had a cutoff moment of, no, we're not spending any more at the arcade. We're going, We're going home now. So he wasn't a dad that just would let his wallet loose, but uh, it was a fun time, and Tilt is unfortunately no longer with us. It moved to a smaller location in the mid-2000s in the mall, and at some point then just closed down entirely. And that's happening across the board with most arcades that were open throughout the 90s, but throughout the ashes of those arcades have grown an entire new generation of barcades and arcades that specialize in one kind of game like arcades that open up that just offer pinball or just offer classic 80s games or 90s games what have you these are opening up across the world mom and pop arcades and I I love to see them I love to see all of you thrive and I try to support as many as I can now my only real complaint when it comes to claw machines is going to be an obvious positive for those on the other side of the fence. So, if you are the owner and operator of a claw machine, I'll give you a second or two to just skip this podcast a couple minutes ahead. I'm not going to say anything for a couple minutes, but I don't want you to to get offended or hurt. So, it's a good thing for you. Everything's great. We're fine. But just go skip, skip the episode. You good? All right, they're gone? All right. So, it really sucks to be a fan of something, something that you would love to support if there were products available in stores, and to come across the one and only time where you see this this license, this character, in a claw machine, almost forcing you to at least try once or twice. The word force is a loose term I'm using. There is no force, and that, that term the owners would love the, the bells are ringing in the caverns above them. Oh, my God, that is the, the word we love to hear. You feel forced on having to play. And, yeah, that's what they love. Exclusive items is what is going to get people 
to play these machines. So, of course, they want to go after those licenses that kids can't find in stores or newer series or whatnot. So I'm sure you have come across a, a plush or a stuffed animal in your life in a claw machine of a series that you had never seen advertised anywhere else. And uh, yeah, that was really my only complaint as a kid. And even now, I still see it. It's still happening in arcades across uh, across the world. Exclusive items in, in machines. And that is understandable. Just kind of like the idea of wanting to make a profit of owning these things. Oh, you, you guys are back. Yeah, we were just talking about you. Anytime I see a claw machine, I, I do think of my dad. And even an episode like this where a claw machine is being delivered to the crusty crab, it immediately brings up of any time I was at breakfast with my dad at a Bickford's or an Abdow's or a Denny's where there was a claw machine and he would just, I wouldn't even ask for it sometimes. He would just throw me a dollar or two and just say, go see if you can win something. And to see his face light up if I pulled the the prize out or if I walked back to the table with it, that was always something that uh that meant something to me, more than the prize itself. So in a lot of cases, the memories are just as strong as the moments. And when it comes to the memories of the skill crane, I can certainly say that they bring up a slew of good moments as you all have just witnessed. And I may have a ton of positive feelings and memories to pull from when it comes to the skill crane, but that does not mean it is the same for everyone else. Even for me, for every prize won, it's almost 10 times that in losses. And for some others, there may just be only losses when it comes to the skill crane, which would lead them to completely avoid the game entirely, which is understandable. At the end of the day, at some point in your life, if you're not a parent and you're not a kid anymore and you don't even have an animal, there's no need to have a plush in your life unless, hey... If you really dig that series or you really dig that character and you just want to put that plush in your kitchen or on a shelf just sitting somewhere, there's nothing wrong with that. But for those of you who have completely avoided the game entirely, consider yourself lucky that you don't fall into the camp as one Squidward Tentacles that happened that one time when a skill crane was delivered to the Krusty Krab. I'm talking about the episode that we are talking about today, Skill Crane, which first premiered on May 20th, 2005. It is the first half of the, uh, ah, what is the episode number? Hey, Nintendo Kid, what is the uh, episode number of the day? All right, all right, calm down. Thank you, appreciate it. It is the first half, the 64th episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, and our storyboard director and technical director of this episode is Vincent Waller, who also wrote this episode alongside Kyle McCullough and Aaron Springer. Our animation director is Alan Smart, and our supervising producer is Paul Tibbet. Yeah! As this episode opens up, the cleverly named R.A. Penny Pincher of R.A. Penny Pincher Vending Supplies shows up to the Krusty Krab, and although Mr. Krabs fears him to be the tax collector at first, which tells me that Mr. Krabs is up to no good and should probably pay his taxes, get it out of the way, so you don't have to fear about this guy showing up, 
There is nothing to fear today, as R.A. Penny Pincher is simply here to deliver the Krusty Krab's newest addition in the realm of making money, and it's the Skill Crane, which should be pretty obvious by the beautifully animated title card, which I have to mention of this episode. I really like when there is an extra little bit of detail on a title card like this. There's an extra little bit of flair on the title card, and it's not something that has to be done all the time, but when you see it like this, done in a right way, it's beautiful. Love it. Now, a new skill crane is being delivered at the Krusty Krab, and this is a great new venture for Mr. Krabs, I have to say, out of all of his extra little bits that he has tried to add onto the Krusty Krab to make extra money, I would say that this one feels the most natural to me. A free salad bar, that's not going to attract more customers, you know? That's Ruby Tuesdays. And even then, it's not even a free salad bar. You'd still have to order that, but that's all they're really known for, at least in my book. Maybe there's a restaurant that you can think of when it comes to the idea of a salad bar... But I at least have to say that it's not necessarily a a business attention-grabbing affair. The salad bar is just, it's there. It's an attachment. So he's tried the free salad bar. He's tried entertainment on multiple occasions. Now, the place seems to get packed no matter what's going on at the Krusty Krab. So the fish and bikini bottom are just hungry for entertainment. So there's always that. But in terms of just... Adding an extra fixture into the restaurant, the skill crane makes so much sense. And Mr. Krabs has been trying to attract a younger clientele in a more frequent basis. We saw that with Krabby Land, and now with this skill crane, although it's not the children of Bikini Bottom that Mr. Krabs has seemingly attracted with this skill crane, it's his own employees which he seemingly was intending to happen the entire time. Now, I don't know if he knew of SpongeBob's skills, because if that was the case, knowing what we know about that inside mechanism only activating when a certain profit margin is met, I don't think uh, I don't think Mr. Krabs would be handing out quarters to SpongeBob as easily, because SpongeBob, throughout this episode, has the ability to win the skill crane each and every time he plays it. Now, Squidward gets the maiden voyage of the skill crane, and Mr. Krabs doesn't let him just keep the quarter and actually forces him to play, and Squidward barely gets a stuffed animal on the bottom of the pile. It it is a really sad attempt, but you can see the cogs turning inside of Squidward's head, even though the machine itself is really mean to you if you lose. It's not just a machine that just goes on about its business. It actually tells you that you lose, and in some cases, actually calls you a loser. Loser. Flat out yelling at you that you're a loser. And I gotta tell you, that would be a bit of of a contentious point for me if I was in Squidward's situation. I may have to try again, if an arcade machine was that blunt about me losing at it. I, I've never experienced that in my life, so maybe there's a a mean claw machine out there and somebody can let me know if it exists. But uh, Squidward is, is told you lose, but 
he's hooked on it. He's bragging to SpongeBob, hey, look at look at what I did. Look at what I was able to do. I almost had that thing. And when SpongeBob goes up to try, Squidward has the full expectation that he's going to lose, and SpongeBob wins Barry. Barry the bear is one of the first stuffed animals that SpongeBob wins out of this machine because, as I said, he has the skills to beat the machine. And this entire episode is a very classic SpongeBob situation. At its core, it's about SpongeBob being able to do something that Squidward, no matter how hard he tries, is unable to do. But what's different from other episodes like this, the first one to come to mind is the paper, is the impossibility versus possibility aspect. Think about the paper where SpongeBob is just doing unbelievable things with this piece of paper. And you can understand Squidward's curiosity over this just amazement of physics and wonder, but let's look at how sad this experience is where it isn't an impossible task that SpongeBob is showing off. It's a simple task of the skill crane, and he is achieving it to a degree that is making Squidward look bad. SpongeBob is able to use the crane to rearrange things inside where Squidward isn't even able to achieve one single prize. And that's where things fall into play for this episode, is Squidward's complete obsession with the skill crane and showing off that achievement that SpongeBob gets to show off in spades throughout this episode. Many times, Squidward goes up to the machine, says to himself, I'm only going to do one time, or it's only going to be this one thing, and breaks that promise entirely, ends up spending almost every penny to his name trying to achieve something from this skill crane. And Mr. Krabs is all about it. He has no care whatsoever that he is literally putting his employees out on the street over the amount of money they are spending on this skill crane. Of course, SpongeBob, I think, has only spent about $2 thus far and has enough stuffed animals to build an entire little society for himself in the kitchen. Squidward, though, has at some point in this episode signed over the deed to his home for the money it would take. I think the amount in quarters that Squidward had spent in this episode was $874.75. I think that's uh, that's roughly the amount there, but that is a crazy amount. Take aside the deed to the house, which I have no idea how much Squidward's house would be worth, but any amount of that Easter Island head retail is not worth whatever is in that skill crane. And it's just one of those things that I wish Squidward had somebody in his life to be able to pull him to the side and and just point things out a little bit clearer to him. I wish he had that focus to be able to know it, it's not the the prizes he's after. It's the monocomb of of achievement he's looking for. Squidward lives a life where he wakes up in the morning, feels worthless, doesn't feel any sort of achievement on what he's creating, what he's making for society, what he's trying to do, and has to go to work 
each and every day, put that hat on, try to put that smile on his face, go behind that counter and ring out people for 8 to 12 hours, or if on any given day Mr. Krabs decides to never close the Krusty Krab, he has to continually work, only to then go back home and just sleep off whatever feelings he had to then wake up the next day and do it all over again. That is the life of Squidward. So you can understand that when it comes to a machine telling you that you're a winner and lights and sounds going off can make people feel good. It's honestly the feelings that I have seen around me at casinos when people hit big. And and trust me, I have felt like Squidward in situations where I've said, you know what? I'm only going to spend $50 at the casino tonight. And then I am back at the ATM reminding myself of this episode, even though I am playing outside of skill crane territory I remember, oh yeah, Squidward told himself it was only going to be that one quarter. Although I would argue that in my opportunity, if I do win and it hits big, my life could be changed forever. Whereas in Squidward's end, if he were to win, his only prize is really whatever stuffed animal he wins out of that claw machine and just the knowledge that he won. But The idea of losing at this machine continually has even carried over into his life outside of the Krusty Krab, where even at home he is continually reminded of his failures. I like that his his hand. Now, they they play off this idea that Squidward is even unable to pick up things in his house like his TV remote because he just sucks at picking things up because he sucks at a claw machine. He now sucks at home. It's it's really seeped deep into his head, this self-image of himself. The fact that a loss of a claw machine can have an effect like this on him, it's, it's crazy. But there is a lot of Billy the Puppet laughing in this episode. So I have to say, in a roundabout way, that this episode is really appropriate for the Halloween season. And I would say, because of that laugh alone justifies the existence of the spooky intro of this episode. Squidward has had enough, though. He's done with this feeling of worthlessness. He breaks into the Krusty Krab at night, and it's not like there's a way for him to play this machine for free, so he literally gives up every single cent to his name to try on this machine. And when SpongeBob finally shows up to see him, he sees a broken man. And he's there to offer a bit of advice. Hey, you want me to tell you the secret of how to win on this machine? There's apparently a secret skill that SpongeBob has been using in all of his attempts of the skill crane. And he is ready to let Squidward know of this secret. The secret of this skill is to just close your eyes and allow the skill crane to work its magic on its own. You would think that it doesn't work, and of course, for Spongebob, he's right. As Squidward saddenly uses his last quarter, which by the way, I have to shout out Roger Bumpus for this line of this is my last quarter. It is genuinely one of my favorite Squidward deliveries of any line. My 
this is my last quarter. And it's just one of the many reasons I love Squidward. He's so relatable. I've been in that situation before of having having that last quarter in your hand and being unsure of what to do with it. But SpongeBob is adamant that if Squidward just follows his advice, he will walk away as a winner. And just as SpongeBob claims, Squidward closes his eyes, and before you know it, a bear has been picked out of the machine with whatever skill Squidward had on that handle, and he is now a winner. Finally, after all of that money, after the deed to his house, Squidward now has a teddy bear that he gets to show off to the world and brag as a winner, as a real winner. He immediately goes to Mr. Krabs to brag to him like, ha, look at this. I don't have to play that game anymore. You don't get a red cent out of me. I finally won. And the animation of Squidward turning and running out of the office is one of my favorite moments of Squidward. There is just a certain level of joy that they were able to place in that animation. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go back and watch this episode. It is a delight. I legitimately love this episode, not only due to the good feelings that it brings me, but because of just genuine moments of sadness and joy in the same like 10 minute span of Squidward going from his last quarter to being a real winner and being able to brag to everybody. I absolutely love it. Now, of course, Squidward finds himself a child who loses at that skill crane. We finally see a kid falling for Mr. Krabs' trap, and Squidward goes over and is very somber at first, knowing, hey, I've experienced that same pain a thousand times. But guess what? I'm a winner, and you're a loser. This is where Squidward crosses the line for me. It's hilarious, and in a comedic way, it's one of the funniest moments for Squidward in this episode. But in terms of me liking him as a character, you know, I, I like him bragging to SpongeBob. That's funny. Going up to the kid. It's funny. It's funnier than bragging to SpongeBob. I'm glad he did it in a in a hilarious sense. But in terms of a character, it's really not a good look for him. And uh, it's really funny that as they're going home from the day of work, Squidward is over bragging over his one accomplishment and you can see Spongebob has been listening to this for possibly hours on end and it reminds me almost a one-to-one side-by-side of when Patrick was working at the Krusty Krab trying to find an achievement to win a trophy and he was able to take that lid off of that jar and they had the moment at the end of the day where SpongeBob and Patrick are walking home after their shift and Patrick is bragging about opening that jar as if he has been bragging about it for hours and SpongeBob is just pumping him up. Oh yeah, I remember when you took that lid off, he was being a supportive friend, but then here you have SpongeBob right next to Squidward listening to his bragging about the claw machine and He just really isn't having any more of it. He's done listening to to Squidward. Now, for Squidward in this episode, that may be my one negative, but I do have to say, for SpongeBob, he did do something in this episode that I wasn't necessarily the happiest of. But during one of his moments with the skill crane, SpongeBob was able to pull out 
two prizes at once. A rarity that does occur a decent amount of times I have seen two prizes get pulled out at once, not even by my own hand, but from other people. But SpongeBob is such a good Samaritan to Mr. Krabs that, oh no, two prizes for one quarter? That's not right. And uses his skills of the claw machine to put one of the prizes back in. And right away, that reminded me of the evil claw machine from the Rocco's Modern Life episode, Carnival Knowledge, one of my top five episodes. There's a claw machine in that episode that decides to take out items from the people playing it to insert inside of the machine rather than letting you try to get the items inside of the machine and taking them out. It takes Rocco's wallet. It takes his watch. It takes uh, Heifer's underwear. It's a savage claw machine. Just be lucky you've never encountered one of those in your life. Even if you have one that shouts at you that you're a loser, trust me, it's it's the best of of both options. As they are walking home and Squidward is continually bragging over his achievement, he notices a piece of a construction equipment that has a crane attachment to it. And right away, Squidward's one win goes right to his head and thinking, "Well, I have now mastered the claw game." And now I can master any sort of claw. As long as I close my eyes, everything will work out. And as this is happening, of course, things do not work out. Squidward not only destroys their building of the new mall in Bikini Bottom, which I'd like to imagine that they were going to have their own little version of Tilt inside of that mall, but we'll never know because it's completely destroyed by Squidward. The construction workers are freaking out, going over to SpongeBob, like, who is this guy? Why is he in our bulldozer? What is he doing? And SpongeBob's just like, oh, yeah, that's my that's my buddy Squidward. And all of a sudden, destroying the mall is one thing, but Squidward in this bulldozer is heading straight towards the Krusty Krab, going downhill towards the Krusty Krab. He has knocked out the construction workers out of sight with the beam that this claw was holding, and the bulldozer destroys the Krusty Krab, as Squidward is surrounded by all of these rightfully angry construction workers, and SpongeBob tries to come in to save the day right at the end, using his crane skills to take Squidward out of that cluster of construction workers, but he's only able to pull out the bear that Squidward has been holding onto as his prize, where SpongeBob finally realizes that his crane skills may only work on toys and not really anything else, as we end this episode with Squidward, of course, going to be ruthlessly beaten, or at the very least, in charge of all of the property damage that has happened to the mall and the Krusty Krab. Now, I can safely say, without a shadow of a doubt, that there has not been one win from a skill crane, or a win from any arcade game from that matter, that has gone to my head to the point of what happened with Squidward here. There was even an expo I was at with my father about 15 years ago that featured a simulation of a NASCAR race, and they kept track of some of the fastest times of the laps. And if you had the fastest lap time at the end of the day, you won a gas card of a certain amount. And even with that win under my belt, 
I didn't walk away from that expo thinking that I could just become a NASCAR driver. Although for Squidward, even the smallest rung on the ladder goes far over his head and makes him feel like he's on the top. And you know what? In a way, and not necessarily for the Skill Crane episode here, but in a nutshell, I think that's why a lot of us feel like we attach with Squidward so much. Because we may feel like we're not going to be at the top of that ladder, so we have to feel successful at the rungs that we find ourselves on. And you know what? You should feel successful on whatever rung of life that you see yourself on. And you don't need to feel like there's anything above you because guess what? Look up right now as you're listening to this. There isn't. It's all it's all made up. You can be the top of your own ladder. You can make little wins throughout the day, little successes. It's all up to you. It's all about perspective, ultimately, at the end of the day. Uh, but as far as Squidward in this episode, I really do feel for him as someone who can be competitive with games and who also loves the idea of skill when it comes to arcade games and skill games like that. I I understand the obsession with that feeling. It's a good feeling. And especially if you are not someone who gets to feel achievement a lot in life, something as small and simple to others, like the win from an arcade machine like a skill crane, may be a monumental achievement for someone else. If you have any sort of claw machine experiences that you would like to share, please do so in the comments below if you are watching the YouTube version of this, or if you would like to find me on Twitter at I'm Ready Podcast. I would love to hear your experiences. Share them with me, and uh, if you still have your prizes, show those off too. I would love to see them. How's bragging camp going? I cannot thank each and every one of you enough for making this experience so well worth it for me. Each and every week is a wonderful adventure for me to go down, and I love sharing all of this with you. If you would like to support me in any way, shape, or form, the easiest for you to do so that has the most impact is simply subscribing to my YouTube channel. It is the one place where all of my content, and even more so, is going to be uploaded. So that is the one central hub for Captain Eric. So even if you simply listen to these episodes on your podcast platform of choice, going over there and hitting the subscribe button is the best way to give me a thumbs up. You can also find the Captain on Twitter, at I'm Ready Podcast, and on Instagram, at Spongebob Podcast. You can also follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Spongebob Podcast and twitch.tv slash Eric. And if you would like to support Captain Eric beyond just subscribing and following and you would like to go the extra mile, you can also do so by purchasing any one of the multiple options on redbubble.com in the shop link in the podcast description below or from the link in any of my socials. Anything that I make from my projects goes right back into my projects and it's always appreciated. I will be uploading right of the week of my birthday all of the designs that I've been holding back or at least the ones that are ready. So by the time you are listening to this or within the week, you can head over to the Redbubble link and you should see some of the updated Captain Eric stuff. And I really appreciate all of you who have gone on there, even purchased a sticker here or there, 
all of that is appreciated. I love you guys. Thank you for making my life a nice one. I really do love making this show. This season has been the most enjoyable for me thus far. It's brought me so much more joy. I have to thank Hugh. I have to thank T.Y. Mime. I have to thank each and every one of you on the Ready Crew who makes this experience the best one ever. Crispy Boy, you know you're a part of that too. If you would like, I was on Crispy Boy's channel recently to talk about Nickelodeon Kart Racers 3, Slime Speedway, in a uh, open forum, pre-review style conversation about that game, other games of, of the Nickelodeon license, and I had such a wonderful conversation with Crispy. I, I think it's just one of the best things I've been a part of, and I implore you to check that out. So I'm going to have that in the link below as well, so you don't have to jump too far to find it. So check out my uh, my little sit-down talk with Crispy Boy about Nickelodeon Kart Racers 3. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again. Thank you for being a part of the Ready Crew. Please stay safe, be kind to one another, and come aboard again next week for another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. You didn't win the prize? No. You know what that means? No. What? It means you have no skills and you're a loser! <laughs> I'm a winner, see my prize. You're a loser who sits and cries. <laughs> Ha 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 ha!